wish plastic pollution would magically disappear, wave your wand and everyone is buying secondhand, Alakazam and recycling is demystified. We do. Your hosts, Oakley J. Fast, a chemical engineer, and Sarah Fuentes, a waste and recycling expert, are here to demystify the circular economy. Welcome to Trash Magic. everyone welcome to another episode of trash magic today we are exploring carpet and you best be excited because we have an expert in the room and you will not think about flooring in the same way you will not think about your carpet in the same way you will be floored by this information <laughs> that's right <laughs> so today we have carpet america recovery effort which is a national nonprofit. They are developing market-based solutions for the recycling and reuse of post-consumer carpet. Today, we're joined by Bob Peoples, CARES Executive Director. Welcome, Bob. Welcome, Bob. Well, good morning, Sarah and Oakley. It, it's a pleasure to be with you. I'm excited about doing this uh, podcast with you. We're excited, too. So if you want, well, let's start here. So our first question is, why should the average person care about carpet recycling? Well, I'll tell you the truth. The reduction of any waste material is an important contribution to reducing what goes to the landfill and reducing the greenhouse gases that are associated with those things all impacts our planet. So as a scientist, I always try to prioritize based on the size of the impact. So for example, organics are a huge portion of the waste stream that goes to the landfill. And the contribution to the production of greenhouse gases with their decomposition. Believe it or not, the consumption of beef is a huge contributor because cattle's belch methane. But when you put it all into perspective, mm -hmm. carpet is really a tiny contributor to the planetary waste load. But that does not mean we should ignore it. But to realize you get a little bit less bang for the buck versus some of the other waste flows going to the landfill. So basically, carpet recycling reduces landfill waste, which is inherently good for the environment. Absolutely. Can you share some of the most surprising or innovative ways of recycling carpet? Sure. We, we've spent the last 20 years trying to figure out how carpet can be reused in other products and markets to buy those. And I think one of the most novel and high impact uses for old carpet is if you look under the hood of your car, all those black plastic parts, uh, a lot of them are made from uh, nylons. And a lot of that nylon is post-consumer nylon derived from carpets. In fact, I like to tell people that under the hood of every Ford F-150 pickup truck is the equivalent of about one and a half yards of old carpet. It, it, it happens to be one of the higher value recycle markets that we go into. Wow, I had no idea. That's really cool. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of interesting products that we go into. You know, we go into plastic lumber for exterior uses that are highly resistant to, you know, weathering and infestation, long lasting products that don't have to re be repainted as often. We go back into carpet underlay, which is the padding that you see underneath the carpet. 
I think everybody's seen the hay bales that are around all the construction sites, whether it's buildings or roads. Well, we make a product called GeoHay that can replace natural hay bales. The, the disadvantage is that GeoHay doesn't biodegrade, but the good value is it can be used over and over again, and it doesn't just fall apart on the job site, causing the contractors to have to go out and buy more hay bales, consume more hay, and replace them on a regular basis. And believe it or not, when you're doing this kind of market development work, you learn some interesting things. For example, these products have value in the mountains after fires because they can drop them from a sling on a helicopter and they don't just fall apart like a hay bale would. And believe it or not, bears don't attack geo hay like they do hay bales. So there's some interesting <laughs> observations that we've come across. Wow. I'm doing this. Wow, I, there's a pun in here somewhere know, about construction and hay and carpet. I don't, it's, you know, our listeners will have to come up with it because I can't get it right now, but there's something there. Wow, that's fascinating. So, I can't wait to get the feedback. Yeah. <laughs> so speaking of which, you know, this is all surprising, great information for us. So what what other misconceptions or are there misconceptions about recycling or carpet recycling that you'd like to debunk? Yeah, I think there's a lot of misconceptions and they really hurt our ability to move this program forward. But I think one of the biggest is that since this is a waste material, people view that the recycling of it should be free. And, and that's really unrealistic mm -hmm. because it costs money to recycle anything. And it is the value in the marketplace for these materials that determines if it could be recycled or not. So nobody's going to start up a business where they're going to lose money, right? So I like to quote a good friend of mine who's been in the recycling business, including carpet and ceiling tiles for over 20 years. He often says to people when they say, hey, this should be free, show me where I can get a free truck, a free driver, free fuel, free rent, free utilities, free labor, free insurance, and I'll recycle it for free, right? So people just don't realize it costs money to do this. We do, have, we do have an ongoing experiment in California where there's a law requiring the recycle of old carpet. And we've paid out to date almost $150 in pure subsidies to achieve the 34% recycling rate they're at today. So again, this is not an inexpensive proposition. I think the, the other big misconception is how long... Bob, why did you call it an experiment? Well, because I think we're still trying to figure out how to make it work. Um, I see. You know, when this program started, the assessment that people pay on carpet was a nickel a square yard. As of January 1st, we just increased the rate that someone has to pay when they buy carpet in California. If it's broadloom carpet, so that's the big rolls of carpet that everybody thinks about they have to pay an extra 70 cents a square yard on that purchase to cover the recycling cost of this program in California. And if it's, if it's carpet tile, which is used predominantly in the commercial world, like offices, buildings, airports, banks, and things like that, that environmental fee is now 99 cents a square yard. Wow. So that's pretty, pretty significant growth versus where we started as a nickel. And that's because you know, we're having to deal in California with, in particular, with not only the inflation that everybody sees, but we're having to deal with the constant escalation in workman's comp costs. 
Insurance costs, you may have read it in the Wall Street Journal recently, insurance costs have gone through the roofs for homes and cars, and the insurance companies are re reporting record profits. Well, that's coming from somewhere, and for the companies to cover those costs, they have no choice but to raise the price of their products. So that's what we're seeing here. So I just heard you list a whole bunch of challenges <laughs> around promoting an infrastructure because it sounds like there's some fiscal things that really have an impact on the, some of the things that you said and around recyclers and how CARE is a nonprofit organization that's actually supporting um, other recyclers, correct? Uh, that's correct. We run the recycling program for the state of California, so we pay those subsidies that I talked about to the individual recyclers according to a specific schedule that we have, which is influenced by their profitability, which is influenced by what they can sell their products for in the marketplace. And that's influenced by a whole bunch of things which I call challenges. And so maybe I'll just share that with you because most people don't think about when they're buying carpet or the recycling carpet, why should the UAW auto strike have any implications for carpet recycling? Well, think about what I shared a few minutes ago that one of our major high value outlets is the plastic parts that go under car, under the hoods of cars. So when car production comes to a halt for the purposes of a strike, all of a sudden, the, the product manufacturers shut off the flow of raw materials. They call up our recyclers and they just simply say, stop shipping. And that results in immediate crisis for cash flow. And that's just one example. People don't think about the fact that there are huge factors outside the control of CARE, Cal Recycle, and the state of California. And those examples of those include the war in the Ukraine, the, the, the war going on with Israel and the Gaza Strip, the trade battle with China, it's, interference from Iran. It's, it's really interesting. It's really interesting, Bob, how some of the things that you're talking about right now, the challenges that you're facing around infrastructure of re recycling this product, and then a lot of people that are in the industry understand that when you have a source-separated material like carpet only and you're trying to turn it into a downstream, right, to create a revenue or uh, another product. And then also the at the end of this, of making sure that you have a buyer, right, a, a buyer for this product and sourcing this material, that you, in, in, in essence, are trying to say, hey, we, we want to be able to provide a downstream. And what I hear you talking about, too, is the circular economy and when there's barriers to that and how their system is really like, okay, now, what happens? This is what happens when the circular economy, we have a good flow. We're putting in a financial structure. It's a win-win situation when it can work right. But when these things are not in balance, it has this big, like, drastic impact on other aspects of industries. And then you realize, whoa, this is where they cross pollinate. Yeah, I had the same realization of, wow, the complexity of a circular economy so interwoven and with a global economy. It's, it's amazing how it's the butterfly effect. Everything affects everything. 
Oh, big time. Yeah. Great example. And, you know, you kind of kind of stole one of the thoughts I was going to hit at the end of this thing as part of my message, but that is that, you know, the concept of, of achieving a sustainable future in a closed-loop economy is really a marathon. It's not a sprint, and we've literally just taken our first few steps. We don't have all the answers right right now, and that's why partly I made the comment it's experiment. We're trying to figure out what will work what can be sustained from an economic, ongoing economic basis and to get it right. And then, then you know, you, thank you for doing this experiment. So, thank yeah. you. Thank you. Yeah. We appreciate you being that guy. <laughs> well, let me, <laughs> so can you walk us through the process of, of recycling old carpets and turning into products that we were just kind of highlighting and talking about? You talked about some of the barriers and some of the challenges that you, you've discovered. Yeah. Can you walk us through some of the technical yeah. stuff? Yeah, being a PhD chemist with a lot of engineering in my background, I love to talk technical, but that's why I realized how important <laughs> you all are to the process because one of my handicaps is I can't always put it in terms that, that the, the average person can understand. And you guys do a fantastic job of bringing it down to the earth for everybody. So thank you for that. So I thought about how to make it, you know, a little bit more understandable. And I thought, hey, let's think about carpet like a sandwich, hmm. right? What does a sandwich has? It has multiple layers to it. And so a carpet is like a sandwich. It has multiple layers. It has a face that we all see but it has a primary backing that you tuff that face into. It has an adhesive that holds that face into the primary backing. It has a secondary backing that, that helps stabilize the, the carpet. And then it has another adhesive layer. An adhesive is very expensive. So they put in a relatively inexpensive filler called calcium carbonate. So you got all these components in there that make up this sandwich. So it's got a lot of layers. And the whole yeah. process starts with <laughs> when the old carpet is pulled out, right? Usually it's an installer that pulls out the whole carpet. And, you know, what should the consumer ask when they go buy the carpet? They should ask the retailer or their installer, what are my options? How can I recycle this material? Nice. And depending on whether those options are available, you know, they want to see that it happens, but they also need to understand that sometimes there's going to be a fee associated with that because it depends on where you are around the U.S. And then once you decide it's going to, going to be recycled, you have to figure out what location it goes to, you know, to be dropped off to start the process. And one of the things we do is we take it to a collector sorter. And what does it mean to be a collector sorter? Well, you have to have an $18,000 piece of electronic equipment that allows you to identify what the face of that carpet is. Because the face of that carpet is plastic. That's where all the value is located. So you want to separate it according to the four key types of plastic that are in there. Once you separate the loads that come in into the individual plastic types, then it has to be transported to a processor. What does the processor do? Takes the carpet apart, tries to separate and purify the individual components. The purer the components, the more value that you recover in the marketplace. And then once those components are separated, then you got to take them to somebody that can quote, manufacture them into a new product 
and then move that product in the marketplace. So that is a really high level summary of what happens through that particular supply chain. That was perfect. And it also highlights the complexity of it because there are so many different layers. Well, I wonder if I ought to show you a copy of my carpet ecosystem. I don't know if I showed you that when we spoke. I don't remember that I did, but we have a sort of a cartoon of what the carpet ecosystem looks like. Send that to us, please. I would love, love, love to see that. Yeah, we'll put that on our Instagram. Trash magic underscore podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, so I had a question come up for me, which is that are carpet manufacturers thinking about the end of life of carpet now when they create the carpet, or is that not happening yet? Well, I think the short answer is yes, they do. I have a lot of conversation with the carpet manufacturers about this. We, we kind of estimate it takes 10 years from the time somebody comes up with a new concept to go through all the R&D testing. And then once you got, you think you've got a product that'll work, then you got to produce it on a pilot scale, go out, take it in the market, see if it's going to do what you think it's going to do. And if it does, then you got to figure out how do I modify my current manufacturing operation, which is the easier step, or do I have to put in a whole new manufacturing line? Jeez, so a good example <laughs> of the kind of commitment to this is I talked about sandwich and all the layers that there are. Yeah. If we didn't have layers, if the carpet was a single polymer, and in fact, there's a product out there that's made of a single polymer, the face fiber, the backing, the adhesive system, it's all PET. Wow. And that product is now commercial in the marketplace. It, it has been out there a few years. It hasn't been traction yet. But in principle, at the end of its life, all you got to do is grind it up and put it back into it to another application. Um, but it represents a tiny fraction of all of the material that's being sold today. But that goes back to that concept of this is a journey. It takes time for new products to penetrate the market. It takes consumers saying, gee, tell me what my options are. Do I have a more sustainable carpet option that I can buy that helps create the demand for that product in the marketplace? And that goes back to the education piece. I, I think we need to be smarter about the way we design our products to make them easier to recycle. But the next thing we need to do is kind of wean ourselves off the crazy convenience of single-use plastics. And I'm not talking about carpet specifically right now because that's a, that's a highly durable, you know, long-lasting product compared to a, a plastic bag or packaging that comes with something you buy. So once we deal with the single-use, excessively short-term materials that we use, what are we going to do with all the remaining plastic? Well, today, virtually all the plastic that's made comes from crude oil. And plastic waste, that plastic waste stream, can replace a significant portion of the oil that we pump out of the ground today. That's a win-win scenario. Reduce or eliminate plastic waste and stop pumping oil out of the ground on its one-way trip back to a landfill. Where, what am I talking about here? I'm talking about a concept that's that's... The technology is not new, but its its application to solving the waste, the plastic waste problem is relatively recent. And that is this concept about chemical recycling, or sometimes your readers may hear it referred to as advanced recycling or molecular recycling. 
these, these tools allow you to take a plastic waste material and convert it back into a basic plastic building block, which can, can go back into any plastic application that's out there. And you don't have to use oil to make that. You use the waste plastic material to make the new building blocks. I'm not talking about producing energy and I'm not talking about producing oil, but going and building blocks made from plastic. This is a, has huge potential to help us solve the global plastic waste problem. Why do I emphasize that? Because I wanna go back to this education comment that I made earlier. We in the science, the technical, the engineering, the business world, need to do a better job of educating the environmentalists, the NGOs, and the legislative decision makers to understand the potential impact, the huge impact of this technology going forward. Right now, there's a lot of people that don't understand what plastics have done to reduce the impact on our planet. They say things like, stop making all plastic, go back to glass. They have no concept what the impact of greenhouse gases will be associated with transportation. It's huge. They have no idea of the impact of the amount of wasted food that will result from not having plastic packaging, modern plastic packaging that allows you know, food to have a much longer shelf life and therefore be consumed as opposed to being thrown out because it's spoiled. There are huge detailed implications that, that we need people to understand to, to solve these problems. I totally hear you. And for our listeners who want to learn more about some of the topics that you're bringing up, the chemical recycling, you can listen to the Brightmark episode with Tom. And for the plastic is not the problem, you can listen to the episode with Dr. Kat Knauer. You're right. When it comes to environmental impact, there are a lot more factors than the plastic itself. There's the carbon emissions and the life cycle analysis and this holistic look that we have to see to really assess an environmental impact of a product. And you kind of touched on that earlier. Circular economy is holistic. We have to look at all aspects of the impact of a product from the beginning of its life to the end of its life and the impact in between. So I appreciate you highlighting that, Bob. I think you hit the nail on the head with that. <laughs> work with some very talented life cycle analysis. So, mm -hmm. Yeah, I love reading the studies. <laughs> Bob and I are both chemical chemists. <laughs> We're both chemists. So I love reading the research about all of this. So question for you, Bob, is any of that plastic that's being chemically recycled used in carpet today? So yes, we do. There is, there are examples of carpet going back into carpet today. There are examples of plastic bottles going into carpet today. So there is a fair bit of post-consumer and post-industrial, but post-consumer plastics going back into our products and other products. And you talk about the evolution of technology. The, I mentioned in the commercial world, there's a lot of carpet tile used in the commercial world. A lot of that tile gets recycled. The backings have switched to what we call a thermoplastic, which is much easier to handle and recycle. And there's a lot of carpet tile out there that has uh, thermoplastic backing that gets recycled today. Yeah, the other thing that, that we really haven't touched upon, but it does have to do with design for recycle, but also impact. And that is 
something called dematerialization. How can we make a product using less material today than we did yesterday? So a good example of this is back when carpet tiles began to find their way into the commercial market, on average, they weighed about nine pounds per square yard. Today, the average carpet tile weighs maybe about four and a half to five pounds per square yard. So look, at we've reduced by, by virtually 50% the amount of material it takes to make the same square yard of carpet. That also means less material, less energy, less water, less greenhouse gases associated with transportation because of the weight, you know, the whole shooting match. It's a lot of progress has been made and it's such a detailed technical argument. Most people don't appreciate that. <laughs> we appreciate it, Bob. Here at Trash Magic, we appreciate it. <laughs> excellent. Great point. That is excellent. I love this idea of dematerialization, and we, we haven't talked about it yet on the show. So thank you for that, bringing that concept up. So we always ask our guests the same two questions at the end, and so we will ask you. Our first is, tell us about an experience you have had with Trash Magic. Who is Trash Magic? <laughs> trash magic well trash magic is a song by lana del rey trash magic is the name of our podcast and it's also a philosophy which we made up sarah and i developed which is that there mm -hmm. is magic and potential in what others see as disposable so tell us if you have an example of that yeah i do i i will tell you that when you all reached out i knew nothing about trash magic i'd never even heard of you guys <laughs> shocking no <laughs> We're still growing, so, you know, I get it. Well, we need you to grow faster. Ouch. <laughs> Your reach, right? Because it's really important. But, you know, the first thing we did was we had that little interview phone call. Mm -hmm. And I had to get comfortable with who you are and what you, you do. And I had to understand who Trash Magic was, how you operate, and what your expectations from me were. And I was, I am going to tell you, I was immediately impressed by the commitment and the passion of the two of you. As, as a trained PhD, I said earlier that I operate with a bit of a handicap, and that is sometimes it's hard for me to speak personally in an easy to understand language or, or terms that relate to people. I immediately appreciated the fact that Trash Magic was an ideal conduit to help reach a broad audience in a way that they can understand and then hopefully we'll take some action based on that. That yes. is rewarding. Oh. Bob. oh my God. Thank you, Bob. Bob, you know what? This is what I got for you right I, here. See you this? know what? I was about to say we <laughs> Yeah. Right? Yeah. I got nothing but love for you, Bob. Well, listen, Thank I you. love that. So you led into that that the our question, which is what is your call to action for our audience? Yeah, so I, I would say first thing that, that your audience could do is ask to have your old carpet recycled. Ask your installer, ask your retailer where you buy it. I'd like to recycle this product. What can I do to make sure it get, gets recycled? The second thing you can do is when you're out buying stuff, regardless of whether it's carpet or something else, you know, seek products that have post-consumer content in them. Why? Because that drives the manufacturers to respond to consumer demand. So they'll start looking to make more products, which means they'll come to us and say, hey, we need more of the product that you're, that you're producing. 
And then this one's a little bit harder. It takes a little more effort. But I would say write to your electorate, elected officials and tell them, please do the hard work necessary to learn the true value of advanced recycling technology and to support this approach. It is one of the most important ways we could solve the global plastics waste problem. Wow, Bob, you really were able to help us have a real big call to action for the consumer questions, you know, just to a principle on anything is a principle on everything. So when you buy new products, ask a retailer, how will you recycle the old? Thank you for this. Hey, the last thing we probably should make sure you post to your website and maybe state is, you know, if your listeners would like more information, please go to carpetrecovery.org. It is just a repository of information. Fantastic. Yes, we will post that in the episode description and on our uh, Instagram. Thank you so much, Bob, for the insights and your knowledge and your passion. Well, thank you for your what you're doing on your end to get the word out. I mean, you could you could see me in the laboratory with my head down, just working away and not making a difference. <laughs> Together, we can make a difference and have impact, right? That's right. Yeah, I can I hope you could tell I enjoyed this as well. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. You can find us on Instagram at trashmagic underscore podcast. We'd also like to thank our sponsor, Smart Waste. SMART stands for Save Money and Reduce Trash. Our values are people, circularity, and transparency. We can help you save money while reducing your landfill waste. Find us at smartwasteusa.com. See you next week.